on ABC Radio. Overnights. Yes, it is. And here is Kevin Ott in Hollywood. Good morning. Our time to you. Good morning, Tim. Oh, as well. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. I think I'm as horrified as you with this first story of yours. They've yeah. made an AI version of, I reckon if he was alive, he would be horrified. So tell the listeners. This sort of very much seems like the sort of thing that George Carlin would really not be happy about. Oh, um, so uh, some, some guys, there's a, uh, there's a podcast right yeah. now. Yeah. That podcast is hosted by uh, the comedian Will Sasso, who people may remember from Mad TV. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's also hosted by uh, a comedy AI called Dudesy. What? Um, what? Like the word dude with yeah, right. uh, S-Y at the end, I right? Yeah. Um, Dudesy, who, remember, is not a human, is a computer program, mm. uh, has taught himself to do uh, an impression of George Carlin and mm. has thus released, and you can find it on YouTube, um, uh, released an entire hour-long stand-up special uh, that he performs in George Carlin's voice. Mm. Um, now, first, let's talk about the ethics of this. And and as you said, whether Carlin w- would like it, this is not something that I, I think he would like. Mm. Um, he famously railed against capitalism uh, decades before it was cool to do mm. so, before all the cool kids were doing it. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, this sort of mining someone's body of work and their literal corpse, uh, uh, for, you know, to make a few bucks on comedy, uh, is I think something that would really rub him the wrong way. Mm. The other thing about this is it sounds nothing like him. It sort of gets the timber of his voice down the sort of rhythms of the way he talks. That's the part that it's sort of best at. Um, and the topics of the jokes, they're, you know, things like politics, religion, uh, whether God exists, uh, there's a, there's a uh, piece yeah, on that, yeah. um, you know, that it sort of gets right. It, you know, it's not, it, it, it's not like you turn it on and it, it doesn't sound like George Carlin. It sounds like Richard Pryor or something like that. It's, mm. it's sort of recognizably George Carlin, if you know what to look for, but it's not good. It sounds no, like, terrible. Uh, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's so, so uh, I don't know if you guys have these cookies. Um, you guys have Oreos. I know that. Yeah, we um, got them. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're exposed to Oreos. Uh, there's a, there's a version of Oreos called Hydrox um, right. here in the States that that's like a sort of cheaper version of Oreos. And uh, a lot of times if something is, uh, you know, a blatant ripoff of some, something, but much worse, it seems like it's Hydrox. And this is the Hydrox version of, uh, of George Carlin. Mm. And it's really sad to see. Yeah, look, I, I think he'd be horrified. And this, I have to say, Kevin, and we've discussed AI quite a lot on the program. Yeah. Uh, this is the dangerous path it's heading down. Now, you know... Uh, impersonating George Carlin, I, I don't think I can think of a comedian who would hate it more, uh, possibly Robin Williams, but uh, Carlin would hate it because he was so edgy um, and so brilliant, uh, really just a, a very creative comedian. I just think he'd be horrified. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, uh, Lenny Bruce would probably hate it a lot. Bill yeah, Hicks. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, uh, they, they should make an AI Bill Hicks, mm. and then we can, we can harness the energy of Bill Hicks's corpse rolling in his grave yeah. uh, to power a whole city. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, uh, what it sort of reminds me of is, and but it's very, very different. In the 80s, there this commercial came out 
for Diet Coke. Mm. Um, and in the commercial, a whole bunch of old movie stars were walking into this uh, uh, nightclub. But the movie stars were actually sort of lifted wholesale. It was it was, you know, when we first sort of were able to do this technologically from the movies they were in. So you see Humphrey Bogart in in a scene from like Casablanca or something, yeah. you know, but sort of cut out of that and put into this modern day nightclub. Uh, Louis Armstrong's in it. Uh, I think James Cagney's in it. Mm. And when that came out, a lot of people were really upset. You know, you're you're this is their memory. But I think the difference with that is that is a performance, right? That's a performance yeah, that yeah. one time performance that uh, uh, um, uh, Humphrey Bogart gave to a studio, uh, didn't give, but basically sold to a studio. And that studio owns that performance. Um, this is not sort of ripping off his work in any way. Uh, whether his estate is owed money for that, that's sort of a different matter. But it's recognizably him. It's Humphrey Bogart. And and I mm. think you, you, know, you could say it's it's gross to have him pitching soda like that, but it's him. Mm. It's 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 his face. Yeah. Um this is not the same thing. No, uh this no. is mining the work, the many, many decades of great comedy that George Carlin has given us, mm. uh, to to make what is really an unfunny unpleasant simulacrum uh, of... Oh, gee, uh, Kevin, I really hope uh, we don't head further down this path and AI starts, uh, uh, well, not replicating, actually being some of the most famous people in the world that we've uh, loved for all of these years. And George Carlin, oh my God. As I say, I'm as horrified as you are. All right, uh, speaking of being horrified, um, and we discussed this, uh, the Mean Girls remake is actually a musical, and it's not doing very well, and that could be the reason. Uh, Yeah, well, it's so it's actually, I may have spoken too soon when I said that to you earlier, that that it's not doing very well. uh, It's it's set to do okay this weekend, um, which is when it's being released. But that sort of, uh, you have to remember that it's being released in January. January and February are typically when studios drop movies that they don't have a lot of confidence in. Um, and, And that seems to be happening here. I think the most interesting thing about this, and this is what we've talked about before, is that they didn't announce that it was a musical. Uh, it's not really in any of the advertising. You don't see any of the songs in there. Mm. And it's based on a, a stage musical, which is in turn based on the original movie from, uh, what, 2004? Um, mm. uh, but I don't know. I think this seems like a movie. I think if you if you were to look at, and we're going to have to wait to see how this plays out, if you were to look at a map, um, you would see a lot of the people who are going to see this movie are probably in New York and L.A. Um, yeah, this seems like a movie that's been made uh, by entertainment industry executives for entertainment in- industry executives. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, we'll see what it does. But it just I, I'm still I'm sorry, I'm still hung up on this matter of not telling people that it's a musical, not telling casually mo- casual moviegoers. I'm with you. That yeah. It's a musical. Yeah. Um, that, that to me seems, uh, it seems strange. It seems like a strange choice mm. and it seems like a choice that's born of not thinking that, that, you know, the sort of unwashed masses are going to be into a musical. Mm. Um, but really, you know, is this the best example of a musical? It's not exactly, uh, uh, you know, Tim Rice writing music. <laughs> no, uh, it's, no it's, it's, it's not Sondheim, uh, is it? No. Um, yeah. So Tina Fey, she wrote Mean Girls originally, didn't she? she involved yeah. in this too? 
She is. Uh, she's an executive producer. I think she worked on the screenplay. She definitely worked on the uh, uh, the book for the musical. Okay. Um. So. Uh, so yeah, she's uh, and and uh, you know at the level of producer, she's been involved since the beginning. Um, I'm very curious to see how this does. I think it's gonna, um, I think it's gonna do okay this weekend. I think it's gonna take a January weekend, which the only thing it's up against is a Jason Statham action movie called The Beekeeper, um, which is gonna be seen by about like 10 incel guys. Um, and, and five years from now, we'll say, oh, this is an amazing movie. How did we miss this? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, well, yeah, but I, I'm with you. I mean, in, in, yeah. unless you do a lot of research, you're going to go, mm-hmm. oh, you know, Mean Girls, uh, I'll go and see that. And then everyone starts singing. You're going to go, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can't imagine um, being in a movie uh, theater uh, <laughs> And just a surprise musical being flung on me. I'm not a big musical guy. I like them. Um, but there is definitely sort of a vibe, I think, that musicals have that turns a lot of people off. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I will be very interested to see uh, if in six months anybody even remembers this movie that got made. Well, yeah. I, I don't think it's going to be one that's, uh, you know, people are going to say, oh, did you see that? And you go, well, no, I didn't. <laughs> now, <laughs> yeah. um uh, look, um, this one, God, there's some bizarre things going on where you live. This is for sure. Yeah. This score from another movie to make a, a very obscure joke that I'm, I doubt anyone alive today would understand, would they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is really just an excuse for me to talk about movie scores because I like talking about movie scores. Um, <laughs> but the uh, the absolutely fantastic movie, uh, May-December, that came out this year, um, uh, probably going to be up for some Oscars. Todd Haynes directed it. Uh, it is based loosely on the Mary Lake, Mary Kay Letourneau story, the uh, the teacher who married her student in, I believe, Seattle. Um, uh, she married him when he was 13 or, or they, they had sex when he was 13 and she was in her 30s. This is the same story, a very similar sort of thing. Um, but there's a joke in the beginning and it's a cute joke. And it's funny because there's not a lot of other jokes in the movie. At least it doesn't feel that way to me. Where Julianne Moore looks and she says, I don't know if we're going to have enough hot dogs. She looks in the fridge and then it cuts to a scene in front of a grill where there's dozens upon dozens of hot dogs. Oh, uh, it's right. a funny joke. It's a weirdly placed joke, but it's it's not unwelcome. Um, but there's a little musical sting in that scene, which is from a movie called The Go-Between. Uh, uh, fairly, it's, 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 you know, it's sort of a classic in English cinema. Um, I don't know that much about it. And I think to make a joke, well, it's a Harold Pinter movie. So it's, you know, it's definitely got some. Uh, oh, Alan uh, Bates. Yeah, Alan Bates and Julie Christie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's definitely got some uh, 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 some pedigree to it. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, to sort of make this joke, um, again, this feels like a very inside joke among people who like film scores. Um and you don't see that very often. You don't see movies using other movies' scores. Um, no. My my two favorite examples, I have two fun examples for you. Um, uh, one is uh, in the movie, um, wow, I've completely forgot. Oh, uh, Punch Drunk Love. In the movie Punch Drunk Love, mm-hmm. it actually uses a song uh, from the Popeye musical that Robert Altman directed. Um, which is a very cute song, and it really sort of sets the uh, the tone between Adam Sandler's romance with Emily Watson. 
Uh, I think that's a really good example. The more fun example, uh, uh, and it's a little sillier, but in the movie Halloween H2O, which is in the Halloween uh, horror movie series, mm, yeah. um, uh, which, as we know, stars Jamie Lee Curtis. She's like one of the central characters. Uh, Halloween H2O, which came out something like, uh, you know, 15, 20 years after the original. Mm. It has a cameo by Janet Lee, who we know is Jamie Lee Curtis's mother. Yeah. Janet Lee is also in Psycho. During the cameo, they have a little conversation, and then Janet Lee walks away. And as she walks away, you hear a little snatch of Bernard Herman's psycho music. Uh, not the strings, not the wah, 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 not that part, but the da na 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 na. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 And it's really cool. It's so yeah, cool because yeah. you know you're it's if you know what you're looking at, it's such a nice little thing. And I think I would imagine this May December moment if I were uh, you know uh, if I were less of an unwashed slob myself and, <laughs> and more classy film expert, I would have caught that reference much the same as I did when I saw it in Halloween H two O. Well, as you say, it, it's very obscure. I I doubt very many people would get it. I don't think they would. And, you know, that movie, uh, that, that other movie, The Go-Between, mm. uh, which is referenced in in, uh, uh, in May-December, that is a movie about uh, a romance between an older woman and a younger man. Yeah. Um, so so it is sort of, you know, it's not out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, but but again, it's 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 very it's probably very cute if you knew what you were looking at. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, and I always like it when uh composers are willing to make these cute little jokes yeah i suppose <laughs> i suppose so um by the way uh one of my listeners said what drink do we think you and i think uh humphrey bogart would have been happy to pitch for um i, I don't know what humphrey drank i would guess bourbon yeah old, yeah probably you know uh, uh, so, some kind of um um wild, uh, you know, yeah, not, wild turkey uh, yeah yeah, yeah, any kind of of whiskey, I think. Maybe, maybe Wild Turkey would have been a little bit below his station. Um, uh, I, there was a great drink in the '90s uh, here in the states called Zima, which right. was a uh, it was an alcoholic malt beverage that tasted a lot like lemon lime soda. Oh, um, okay. It was very popular on college campuses, specifically I'm, I'm my sure. college campus. <laughs> Yeah, you're, uh, you're right. Yeah, I would like to see a Humphrey Bogart Zima ad. That'd be a lot of fun. Well, old Humph might have been a uh, yeah. You're right. Might, maybe single malt. Uh, he'd, he'd be, <laughs> yeah, he was classic. less of a malt beverage than yeah, a single yeah, malt beverage. Right? Yeah. yeah, old Humphrey. So we don't know. Now uh, we God, we talk about this a lot. They're doing Frankenstein again. Yeah, uh, they are. And, uh, you know, Frankenstein is one of those movies where one of those stories where we're just always going to have a Frankenstein movie yeah, either in the works or yeah. in theaters or there's an homage somewhere. Um, if people remember, there was this really silly, I think it was a couple of movies um, trying to sort of cash in on the supernatural romance called uh, I Frankenstein with Aaron Eckhart from a few years ago where he played Frankenstein's monster who was fighting in the war between the gargoyles and the demons or something. So, yeah, mm -hmm. Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster have thoroughly infiltrated uh, the pop culture <laughs> landscape. But yeah. right now, we're getting something really cool, which is Guillermo del Toro. Uh -huh. uh, he's making his own version of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Um, a few years ago, he made The Shape of Water, which was sort of a, a retelling of... Uh, the creature from the back lagoon story. Um, he just made Pinocchio, which is kind of a similar story of someone creating life from nothing. Um, 
And this is cool. I like this. Uh, uh, a great Australian actor um, named Jacob Elordi, uh, who was most recently in Priscilla. He played Elvis. Um, oh, he's also yes. in the movie Saltburn, which is doing uh, sort of uh, a lot of buzz. Gotcha. Um, yeah. He's playing yeah. the monster. Okay. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Which I like. I like the idea of having like a really good looking dude play the monster. Mm. That's that's I don't think that's something we've seen before. Um, so, so I'm sort of excited about that. Christoph Waltz is in it. I love um, him. I, I think just he's love him. Probably yeah. going to be playing Doctor Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's going to be on Netflix. I like Guillermo del Toro. I think he's he's a little hit or miss. I, I don't like his Hellboy movies. Mm. Um, but since he got together with Netflix, and this is a Netflix production, you know, he made Pinocchio. He made uh, Cabinet of Curiosities, which is very good. Mm. Um, so I think this is going to be uh, uh, just one of his better projects. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, I'm thinking to myself, I might, uh, I might go with you on this one. I mean, it's been made so many times. What was, um, what was the name of the one that uh, De Niro was in? That was just called Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, wasn't it? That was Mary Shelley's yeah. Frankenstein with, uh, with Kenneth Branagh. As, yeah, that was uh, great. That was really yeah, good. Yeah, the doctor. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, maybe I'll go Very with good. you. Yeah, okay. Lovely to talk to you as always. Thanks, mate. ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music, and more.